Bad snap. Bobble oh, scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Good morning, East Lansing. Welcome into the Green and White Report. Smoke is still clearing. I am quite hoarse because we all know what happened yesterday. Nathan Stearns joining me this morning. Did something happen yesterday? Did we have a game that we played here? Maybe over at the woodshed, did something happen? Yeah, I think Bowling Green beat Toledo or something like that, right? Yeah, That's what we're all excited about. There was a Big Mac game. Oh, you know, Western Central is coming up on Wednesday. I think that's what everybody was talking about. You know, if, if anybody didn't hear, there was a really big in-state rivalry game yesterday between a team dressed in maize and a team dressed in green. And the team dressed in green won uh, 37-33. So that's it. You know, we're going to talk about college football or the NFL now. But, hey, in all actuality, happy Sunday. The, the smoke is clearing. Michigan State defeats Michigan 37-33. Peyton Thorne, 19-30. Kenneth Walker, five touchdowns, 197 yards on the ground. They did it, Nathan. Yeah, they did. Well, more specifically, Kenneth Walker did. And, you know, it was just... The fact that you're down by 16 with six and a half left in the third quarter and you inexplicably find a way to win like that. And then Charles Brantley that has the one-handed interception. What a time for your first career interception when you're reaching back shades of uh, shades of Xavier Henderson versus Youngstown State. I saw a tweet yesterday. I don't know what account it was by, but that's going to be hanging up in like the wall of B-dubs. Off Grand yes. River, like three that's actually, years from that's now. That's your quote, actually. You said that yesterday when we were maybe at that establishment. But like that, he's reaching back and just like literally rips the ball out of Luke Shoemaker's hands, Michigan's backup tight end. I'm like, at that point, and everybody lost their collective sanity, including myself. Well, you know, to anybody out there who may not have been paying attention to the world of sports yesterday, I severely apologize if I threw you off. There was a football game yesterday. It was between Michigan and Michigan State. All of us here today were in attendance. Myself, you were on the call with Zach Sardenic, an award-winning broadcast. We're joined by associate producer Peyton Emerson, along with Henry behind the glass today. Both of them were in attendance. Hey, Hank, good morning. Hey, good morning, fellas. Are we live? Are it is we a live? beautiful day in East Lansing, by the way. It's, it's a gorgeous day. Every day from now until the end of the season is a beautiful day in East Lansing. What's the what's the vibe check behind the glass? How is everybody feeling? Is everyone you know, alive? Everyone has all their limbs. I hope we're awakened here, so yeah. we're doing we're doing that much at least. You know, we we should name the when we post the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for anybody interested. We should name this like the horse episode or the horse edition because yeah. our collective voices. Nathan's the only one here who has his full voice. So I mean, that was for a reason. Well, I mean, I was screaming at Michigan fans on the way back, though, when we got back to the apartment. I mean, That's I just true. I, I have an ungodly ability. Like, my vocal cords never get tired. I can talk and talk. You need and to talk. teach me a lesson. I was, Henry and I, we were all, we were in the student section. Nathan was being a professional and he was broadcasting the game up in the press box. But I was sitting with a good buddy from high school and some, some fast friends that we made as well in the student section. That was my vantage point for the game. Oh, and the best. After every Kenneth Walker touchdown, I think I blacked out. Especially, especially the last one that tied the or the, the one that tied the game and the game winner. I, I think I blacked out on those plays. 
Nathan, go ahead. The best part. So Michigan student radio. So we're positioned right above. We're on the photo deck on level six. We were right above the Michigan student section, like directly above the Michigan student section. So there's Zach and I. Zach's closer to the uh, Michigan WCBN radio station. They have two broadcasters and two spotters. Basically, what they're two spotters. So they have one spotter per broadcaster. Wow, real no, professional. No, no, they were standing on the, <laughs> I don't know why they brought, they were standing on the railing every time Michigan got a five-yard game, they start running and screaming around, like I've never seen anything like it, running around, pumping this, that, and the other, as soon as Brantley had that interception, they start with the surrender Cobras, and oh, it was boy. the best thing I've ever seen. They well, it, well, the worst part. I kid you not. The worst part after U of M goes ahead thirty to fourteen, the Michigan fan section starts chanting "Little Brother." You know, with like the war chop that you do at the Braves games. Those two start joining in. Wow. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Very me. Uh, professional broadcasters over there at unnamed Michigan student radio station, which we won't name them. No free plugs, especially not for Michigan student radio. But nevertheless, yesterday was unbelievable. When Michigan State was down 30-14, to 14, I thought the Spartans were dead. Dead. I thought I was starting to prepare in my mind how I was going to... I predicted a 21-17 Michigan State win. They, so it was gonna, I predicted a four-point win, and they won by four. So I'll give myself a little bit of a pat on the back. Actually, I'm actually giving myself a pat on the back. But a hell of a lot more points scoring in this game than I think anybody thought. I mean... 552 yards for Michigan, and they did not manage to win. I mean, we're going to talk. The first 30 minutes of the show is going to entirely be dedicated to Michigan, Michigan State. So in the next segment, we're going to dig into the X's and O's a little bit more. But I think we just all got to take a deep breath, take a moment, take a pause, and just kind of break down mentally what happened yesterday. Initial reactions, Nathan Stearns, go. We said on the air, Zach and I, that whoever won this game, this wasn't just for bragging rights. This isn't. This wasn't just for keeping Paul Bunyan either in East Lansing or sending him down to Ann Arbor. This was for an inside shot at the Rose Bowl. I mean, you win the next three games against Purdue, against Maryland. Penn State looks better, but I told you after they lost, that's the kind of loss that destroys you. You were neck and neck with Ohio State, and you didn't find a way to win, and you're going to wake up. You wake up today, and you're 2-3. and three. You have the same conference record in the Big Ten East as Maryland does. It's a two-horse race now. It's a two-horse race, and I don't think anybody... I know for sure I didn't, Luke, and I know you didn't think at the beginning of the season, here we are in November, Michigan State's 8-0. And this win really sort of blasts the narrative. You haven't played anyone. You haven't beaten a team with a winning record. Everybody that you played in conference stinks. And there was some truth to that. Michigan State coming into yesterday, their combined record against teams in the Big Ten, those conference records was 2-15. and Because you beat Rutgers, you didn't have a win in conference play before yesterday, beating Illinois. You beat Nebraska, who has one conference win. You beat Indiana, who doesn't have a conference win after losing to Maryland 38-35 to last night. So everything that... The criticism that you could levy on Michigan State's gone now. You're eight and zero. You're five and zero in the Big Ten East. You have a real shot to get to ten and zero. Everything's still out in front of you, and the clock's going to hit November. And Michigan State is going to be right there in the college football playoff conversation. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for November second. Let's see where Michigan State is, and let's watch when when MSU's proverbially placed at five, and they're below Oklahoma, and they're below Cincinnati. Watch MSU Twitter just lose their collective minds. Yeah. That's going to be in a matter of hours, so stay tuned, everybody. I want to 
take a quick step back here, and I try to pride myself as someone who remains objective and just looks at the X's and O's and doesn't really, you know, wear a certain color, even though I may or may not be wearing green and white in the studio today. You know what? It's okay because it's a victory Sunday. I don't know if anybody picked up on this. Henry, I know you did. Michigan, whoever the DJ is at Spartan Stadium, who we give immense immense praise to on this show, they played Mr. Brightside after the win yesterday. That's right. And that was definitely a troll job. It, it had was, to be. It was the best. I don't think it's the best moment of the day, but it was a great moment. It was, I, it was a little like kick them while they're down kind of feeling. It, you know? th- th- that was definitely a troll job, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was right after they hosted the trophy. Yeah. We we never plus Spartan Stadium never plays Mr. We, Brightside. I've heard it in this stadium. Never. I mean, you've been here. Career. You've been here three years. Yeah. We've been here four years. I've never heard it there. Hey, good troll job though. I Fantastic. hate. I hate Mr. Brightside. Hate. Oh, but we in talked that, about this. In that, oh, we had we had like a segment on this about a month ago. But in that moment, I sang every sweet word to that oh. song, every word, and what I nailed know? it. I was probably sounding <laughs> terrible, hoarse like I am right now. It's walking down the steps of the student section, ready to go, you know, raise some hell. But every word of that song was just articulated beautifully. Did you not see where they threw the Michigan band? That was the best troll job. Yeah. They threw them in the. They threw them in the nosebleeds up on the third deck where, like, you had half the band, like, looking over. It's like, oh, we drop a tuba. Gonna tuba, fall. tuba incoming 150 feet to the ground. Crash. Usually they put the opposing marching band on the sideline. No, so they I, threw them way up there. I think it was probably because they had all the Fox big noon kickoff, big whatever, big Texas cinnamon roll. I don't whatever it is. We didn't go there. It's the off-brand uh, college game day. You have the ESPN college game day, which is where the winners go. You know, I, I kind of want to take a step back once again. In the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more numbers and X's and O's and what this means for both teams moving forward. But it was just an unbelievable day. And I kind of want to, we're going to do a little roundtable here, what all of our days looked like. I'll start for myself. The 7 a.m., it was a 7 a.m. alarm. That's a pretty tough alarm, especially after a very festive Friday night for Halloween. I was dressed as a chef. You were dressed as a banana, Nathan. It was a very festive Friday. That 7 a.m. alarm hit pretty different when you get about four hours of sleep. But we woke up, we made some eggs, made some bacon. Pancakes were potentially going to be made, but I was feeling a little bit rough, so I just stuck to the <laughs> eggs and the bacon. Had some coffee, mimosas, which was important. And then uh, I had a couple of fall Bud Light seltzers, so I was feeling very festive. And then we departed for the stadium at about 9 and basically just got in line. Kind of breezed by college game day, ESPN, of course, because the big noon kickoff, you know, it's the it's the Meyer brand Coke. You know, you have Coca-Cola and then you have like Meyer Cola. It's basically Fox, you know, big noon kickoff or whatever the hell they call it. So we, we breezed by game day. It was just a zoo. Got in line. I probably got in the stadium like 90 minutes before kick. Just kind of soaked it all in. You know, another thing I was very proud of yesterday once again, I might be being a homer right now, but I don't care, to be honest. I'd say the stadium was 80% green and white, and that's a, I, I think that was more than I thought. I thought it was going to be like 60-40 Michigan State. Yeah. I was pretty impressed. No, it, and uh, yeah, I, I think it, it, most people didn't even wear the yellow, so yeah. it kind of blended in together. You know, It was, I, I think it was a pretty strong, I mean, it was loud in that building. You know, Nathan, I talked to you about this because you had a more neutral perspective because you weren't screaming and losing your voice. I mean, have you ever heard that stadium louder? No. I haven't. No, and the official capacity is over 76,000. It was Spartan, a sellout. Say Spartan Stadium can only hold 75,000 people, so where'd they put the other 1,000 people? All right, we're, we're, we're going to pass the baton. 
over at Mr. Henry Menegos, the great producer of the Green and White Report. Uh, thank you. And he's going to, he, I wish we had like an applause drop or something, but uh, yes, you know, that that's the, that's the, that's whenever Henry comes in, we, we just play that drop on this show, but it's it true. Mr. Menegos, what was your Saturday like? Well, we, we also had the about 7 o'clock alarm. Uh, a rough one. My roommate, who may or may not be listening to this show right now. May or, be, may or, may or may not be Nick. I'll just yeah, out there. There, there you go. There you go. Uh, he, he he woke up the entire house with uh, the Michigan State fight song on loop. So ah. we had an early wave call. We had uh, on the banks of the Red Cedar blasting throughout the uh, the hallways of our of our house. A packed house, by the way. A packed it was. house. We had, we had some guests stay over and... Uh, yeah, so we we got up early. We had a uh, we got a little coffee, a little breakfast. Headed to game day at about yes. eight thirty, which was cool. You know, we got some signs. We were uh, we hung out as long as we could, and then we got in line around. Uh, I don't know, a little bit before ten. Where were so you were in a good? You had a good vantage point. You weren't like, you know, up in the upper part of the student section or anything. Well, funny story. So Uh-oh. I don't know if I want to discriminate myself here, but like I said, you we know were, what? It's okay. The the line was going all the way back to Shaw. Oh and, wow. and you know when we get to t- you know was, I don't know how what time you guys got there. You said like nine thirty. I I got there at about nine forty five. Yeah. I yeah same here. I I don't yeah like I said I don't want to incriminate myself, but I may have um cut. Well, that's I what I'm cut. saying. I did not go to Shaw. No, I, I did not. Either. I found some buddies and I said, hey. What's going on? We're, no, we're, we're going to talk to you. I made bit, fast yeah. friends too. There was this group of like three or four girls and guys, and I was like, hey, big day here. And they were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, go green. Yeah, and absolutely. I was like, and the security at that point was like pushing people back so they could make the yeah. line better. And I like slid my body around one of the security guards while making eye contact with them. And I was like, he was like six six or something, could probably just beat the crap out of me. Uh. But I was kind of like, oh, just let me let me go over here, shimmy shimmy. <laughs> so I also cut. Sorry, yeah. sorry, people. Sorry to the people that literally camped out for twenty four hours in the yeah. rain. One of my but, buddies camped out, and he said it was brutal. Yeah, he I'm said sure. it was wet, cold. The concrete was hard. Yeah, but he was in the first row. So congrats, Mister Wyatt. We're just name dropping everyone. Everybody's getting called out today. Anyways, it was great. I was. Uh, Awesome to finally get in the stadium, and uh, what a day. Ugh, unbelievable day. We're going to get into the X's and O's a little bit more on the other side of the break. We'll talk about Mr. Nathan Stern's game day routine yesterday as well, because I don't want anybody to be left out. It's a victory Sunday. It's Halloween, too. Happy Halloween. So, you know, we're just we're just saying everything. You know, this Sparty Awards is going to be Halloween costumes. You know, we usually like to give a little radio tease for the Sparty Awards, but you know what? I, we have our hand, just boom, put it on the table. It's it's off the rails. We're off the rails already, and it's only 11.15. But, hey, it's a victory Sunday on the Green and White Report. More Michigan State football on the way next. We're going to dive a little bit more into the particulars, talk about what this means for both Michigan and Michigan State, and really a ton more ahead on the Green and White Report. Wow. You know... There's really no other way to, to put my emotions right now. I, I'm feeling so great. I'm feeling so great. My voice may be gone. I may have consumed a lot of beverages since like Thursday. You I mean, and I both. Yeah, I, I don't want. Lord. I'm not. I'm not incriminating myself. You know. I'm legal. You're legal. We're legal here. We're, we're two legal co-hosts. It's been. It's been a wild ride. Mr. Brightside was was just a, the sweet, sweet sounds of Mr. Brightside were just blaring through those Spartan Stadium speakers. New, you know, an inside source has potentially told me that there will be 
you know, a new speaker system next year at uh, Spartan Stadium. So it's uh, really going to be bopping next year. But we're going to break this down. 37-33, the final score, Michigan State over Michigan. You know, a pretty silly start to the show. So we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna bump one more silly thing in that you showed me during the break, and then we'll get into the particulars. Silly time with Nathan Stearns. Oh, you, you want me to talk about the tweet with the? Oh yes. Okay. Well, there, Matt Wenzel tweeted the M Live reporter for Michigan State football. Someone keeps clapping in the press box. They are seated in the wrong area of the oh, stadium. Yes. And two out of the three people that responded said, Hondo's homecoming. I thought Hondo lives in Vegas now. And for those of you who don't know, it was Hondo Carpenter that they're talking about. Formerly, uh, what was he, Spartan Mag or Spartan Ave or something. Something. And now he's Raider Maven. And we have Aiden Champion, our dear friend who we care for, working with him despite my bests attempts to dissuade him from the path of darkness. Now, you know, clapping in the press box is such a classic. I mean... What is just a more beautiful thing than just completely taking your reporter's credential and throwing it out of the press box down into the and fans? And all the student radio station, Rutgers did it. I mean, their student radio station wasn't quite as bad. U of Zen's did It's like, what is it with student radio? Like, you guys are journalists. You're supposed to be. You running around screaming like chickens with your head cut off gives me a headache. Because it's annoying because you're trying to watch the game. And, like, you know this, but, like, it's, like, out of the periphery of your eye. And you just see people, like, running around in circles in the box. It's, you know, frustrating. Very frustrating. We've been off the rails to start this show, you know, deservedly so. We, you know, we just bumped back from break with Mr. Brightside. You know, we're also trolling Michigan on this radio show, but Mel Tucker, it moves to 2-0 and as head coach of Michigan State over Michigan in his brief to career. I mean, he's not even two years through. You know, Peyton Thorne yesterday, 19-30. to Kenneth Walker, 27 attempts, 197 yards, five touchdowns. J.J. McCarthy, 28-44 for 383 yards, touchdown, two touchdowns and an interception in the last moments of the game that Chuck Brantley picked off. But there's really no other place to start this game other than Kenneth Walker III. Like we said, 23 rushing attempts, 197 yards, five touchdowns, a long rush of 58 yards, and 8.6 yards against one of the best defenses in the country in Michigan. I have to give Mike McDonald a lot of credit. They've been a lot better, and Michigan State really took them, and, you know, I, I, I can't swear. They, he, he really took them and, you know, showed them what's up. Michigan had 300, or Michigan State had 395 yards, pretty much dead even. Not 199 rushing yards to 160 or 196 passing yards, so a very balanced attack. But once again, Kenneth Walker III, he's got to be in the Heisman conversation. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, you know, he's a cute Heisman pick. He's got to be in the top three right now as the best running back in America in the Heisman conversation. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not. He ran for five touchdowns. Nobody in this rivalry's ever run for five touchdowns. No. And this rivalry's been going on since the 1890s. In top 10 matchups in the AP poll, no one runs for five touchdowns. I mean, it was not 200 yards. It it, it was a performance where Kenneth Walker single-handedly said, I'm doing this myself, because for those of you who didn't watch the game yesterday and were living under a rock, where was Jalen Naylor in the second half? Oh, that's right. He was hurt. So it was the combination of Jaden Reed, who did some nice things in the second half, but really Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker. And they did that running into one of the best front sevens in all of college football. Oh, yeah. Going into yesterday's game, you know how many points a game Michigan was allowing? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go out on a limb. I know their competition was pretty weak. I'm gonna say twelve and a half, fourteen and a half. That's right, was the, was the second close. best mark 
in all of FBS. Now, granted, you you know, you can say what you want about competition and playing Western and playing Northern Illinois and playing Washington, who the previous week had lost to Montana, but at the end of the day, that's still really impressive. And the Michigan State play, uh, Jay Johnson, Chris Kaplovich, the offensive line, when they weren't dropping back to pass and when Peyton Thorne wasn't running for his life because Aiden Hutchinson was a man possessed on both the left and right side of the offensive line, ran the ball quite well. They did the same thing that Northwestern and Miami did, where you over-pursue so hard to the strong side that when Kenneth Walker bounces it back out, nobody's home. Like, did you notice how time and time and time and time again, like that first rushing touchdown he had, he gets bottled up right between Matt Allen and Kevin Jarvis in the A-gap, keeps the legs moving, bounces it back outside. Tell you what, too, Connor Hayward and Tyler Hunt did a yes. really good job sealing the edge and setting the edge time and time and time and time again. But you over it was the missed he it was the missed tackles. It was the fact that here's another one for you, and I don't have the official statistic, including yesterday's game. Kenneth Walker, seven hundred thirty rushing yards after contact yeah. going into yesterday's game. They don't call him the eraser for nothing, I guess. Because you don't bring it takes five people to bring the guy down every day. It out of all the tools that Kenneth Walker has in his bag and why he's going to go to the NFL draft and probably be picked in the second round at this point. Because I'm I'm that high on his game, speed, size, toughness, power. He's hard to bring down, power. But of all the tools in his bag, the one that I believe stands out the most, and the one that I think is going to make him a good NFL player, is the ability that second read, that cutback, that bouncing off of tackle. In my opinion, that is the best tool he has in his tool chest, and it was on full display yesterday. There were so many plays, including I'd say at least three of the touchdown runs that I almost blacked out for in the student section, where he I thought the play was dead. He was hidden behind a tackle. He was contacted by somebody in maize and blue, and I thought the play was dead, but hey, two hands on the football, cuts it back, bounces off tackle, and makes a 30-yard run or a first down out of something that I thought was going to be a two-yard loss. His ability to make something out of nothing, and you know that offensive line, they call him the eraser. He truly is the eraser. The offensive line, it wasn't the greatest day when they needed to come up with you know, big blocks or needed to come up with a clutch drive. I think they did, but he once again yesterday was the eraser. I want to talk about another guy, too, who, in my opinion, you know, it wasn't the gaudiest statistical performance for him, but that would be Jaden Reed. He had six catches for 80 yards. He had a two-point conversion catch. He had some big catches on third down. He had a couple of just unbelievable catches. One running to the sideline. It was on the home sideline that he got a foot down in bounds on. It wasn't a conversion, but he made something out of nothing. And then he had another first down catch where it was just a fingertip grab on the turf, which I thought by the naked eye was a, it bounced, but it did not. Jaden Reed... He made plays yesterday when they needed him most. And as an aside to that, Peyton Thorne, not his greatest day statistically, didn't throw for a touchdown, a couple of picks, still completed 63% of his passes, still had almost 200 yards. But when Peyton Thorne needed to make a throw yesterday, he did. And that guy was Jaden Reed most of the time. Well, you had to if, again, Jalen Naylor out of the game after you had that fourth and one fake. Can we talk? Like, Jay Johnson, man, the guts. Everybody in the stadium, including myself, thought they were going to run it off right tackle. And then you do the little play action that fourth fake. That down play to Yeah. Unbelievable. And then you throw it to, to Jalen Naylor. I don't know. I still don't know how Daxton Hill caught Speedy Naylor, by the when, way. Like, that was that When was that play else. happened, second quarter, right? It was yes, the first play of the yes, second quarter. It was midway through the second. I, I blacked out. I may have had a minor heart attack. I mean, there were yesterday's game, 
once again, you know, we'll get back into the numbers, but just keeping with the silliness, and I'm interested in Henry's thoughts on this. There were all five of Kenneth Walker's touchdowns, the Charles Brantley interception, a number of other key stops. There was a couple of third down stops in the fourth quarter, the two point conversion by Jaden Reed. I may have had a minor heart attack on every one of those plays. I fell on every one of those plays, slipped because it started raining in the fourth quarter. I was screaming. I mean, it was pure pandemonium. I at the end of the game, I started. I stopped screaming and just went into shock. Yes, I I, was, I literally just put my hands That's what over I did my too. head. I looked like the the guy at the Michigan, you know, the trouble with the snap. Yeah, that's what I looked like. Just I could not believe what was happening. It. This has been a season for Michigan State. Obviously, they're eight and zero. They might be a top five team. Who knows? They just beat their rival for, and kept Paul Bunyan home for the second year in a row. This has been a year that's really hard to believe. Everyone thought it was going to be six and six, including myself. I thought it was going to be a bowl. I thought they were going to compete going into the year. I thought they had a chance to beat Michigan just because of how the Wolverines play or don't in these rivalry games for Paul Bunyan. It's still a daze. This whole season has just been a daze. Like th- that's not like a fanboy take. No, it it's feels not. like we're living in a fantasy land with how this team is overachieving. The over under in Vegas at the beginning of the year was four and a half wins. There's They've a reason. It. There's a reason why the Associated Press had Mel Tucker as their coach of the year selection a week ago before they played Michigan. This isn't some. Nobody had like, and if you read every publication from Sports Illustrated to the Athletic, everybody's like, "What is going on in East Lansing?" Um, Mel Tucker wouldn't be getting interest from LSU and possibly USC if he wasn't doing what he is right now. Correct. You know, like you, you can say what you want about you know overhyping Michigan State or whatever, but you know I'm going to go back to a point you made previously about Peyton Thorne. Both of those interceptions, I do not fault on him. The first one, it's third down. He's throwing off of his back foot. It was an arm punt. It was an arm punt in essence. Like I mean, it's it's frankly, I don't think um, I don't think the interception should have been caught. You want to let that one roll through the back of the end zone for a touchback. The first one flips field position. Then obviously we know all that one with the Andrew Anthony ninety three yard touchdown. Four Yikes. catches, one hundred thirty six yards, and two scores. He deserves the pride a, of East Lansing. My goodness, was he so special? Andrew Anthony definitely deserves a shout out. You know, I don't. You know, I'll, I'll give myself another pat on the back. And I was, you know, talking with Zach Sardanic, Brennan Shabath, you, me, I think Michael Markoch, some other people from the station. We were talking on Thursday, and one of the things that I said was, hey, you know, I think Michigan kind of moonlighted Andrew Anthony a little bit in that Northwestern game, kind of got him into the mix a little bit, got him comfortable in the offense. I was like, I think that's on purpose for them to try to use him as a wrinkle in the Michigan State game. And they used him well. They got him the ball a lot. He made some great plays. His breakaway speed on that 93-yard touchdown for the first opening score of the game was crazy. I mean, when when Michigan State was down 30-14, to 14, I thought the headline was going to be hometown boy comes back and burns the team that he could have potentially gone to and played in college. That was good. That's what I thought was going to be written. Yeah, and it's a shame that that's going to get swept under the rug. And you, Yes, Cade McNamara, for everything that you said that I've said, especially I went on the air yesterday and I thought if there's any way that you can bottle up Hassan Haskins and Blake Court, Michigan doesn't have a shot. Yeah. That was the first time Blake or that was the first time Cade McNamara's ever thrown for three hundred yards. What he did with Eric All getting him in the mix, what he did with Andrew Anthony, he put the ball where it needed. That is his best career game, bar none. The fact that Michigan had a prayer. In the second half, and the fact that they were where they were in such an advantageous position midway through the third was solely off of Cade McNamara. 
and I still to this to this day have no idea why after your quarterback's playing the best game of his life, after you bring in JJ McCarthy, who the previous drive in the fourth fumbled the ball, it goes right through the arms of Ronald Williams. Then you do it again. He he takes it out of the mesh. He takes it out of Corbin's gut. A split second too soon. The ball's on the ground. It's cold. It's rainy. Jacob Panachuk recovers the fumble, but. Those two, Andrew Anthony and Cade McNamara, were real, real game. And so was Aiden Hutchinson. He played like an All-American yesterday. And he, for the three plays that Luke Campbell was in every time he put Luke Campbell on roller skates. And you can talk what you want about the officiating, whether, you know, whether it was fair, whether it was not fair. I personally think it's kind of a lame gripe. But Michigan State does not win that game if... The touchdown where David Njabo sacks Peyton Thorne and then Aiden Hutchinson recovers it in the end zone at the end of the second quarter. They overturned that. That was the difference between going into half 23-14 to and 28-14. to Like, if that's overturned, MSU does not win that game. All right. We have to. We have. Uh, we have some feedback coming in. The phone number is five one seven eight eight four eight nine eight nine. I want to throw that out there in case anybody wants to give their rapid reaction to Michigan, Michigan State. Obviously, the thirty seven thirty three win. But five one seven eight eight four eight nine eight nine is the phone number. Henry, I understand that we have some feedback. I got a question here coming from the roommate. Yes, Nick. The unnamed. Oh, he named again. All right. Sorry. Shout, you out, know, shout out, Nick. You know, he deserves a shout out. Yeah, you know, he. He had a, Here it is, boys. Here it is. Okay. Boys. Here we go. Is Jim Harbaugh the most fraudulent coach in college football yes. right now? He has to be. I mean, I'm Una- sorry. Unequivocally. I'm sorry. You know, once again, I'm not trying to ride the wave of being a Michigan State homer, but he, w- he was brought into the University of Michigan to win national champion- championships, and he is 500 against Michigan State, including three wins when they were just horrific Michigan State teams in 2016, 18, and 19. Can't beat Ohio State. Nowhere close to the college football playoff. No Big Ten titles to show. He is. He was paid. He was brought in, and he has the resources to be a national title contender. And he's not been. Luke, you want to play a quick round of fact or fiction? Absolutely. Fact or fiction: Jim Harbaugh is now has a losing record at three and four against Michigan State. I, I didn't give him enough credit. He, he's got a losing record. And think about it this way: those three wins were 2016 when they went three and nine. 2018, which was a six and six club that couldn't score. 2019, which was a six and six club that couldn't score and were dead. So his three wins were against arguably the three worst Michigan State teams of the last decade. A, uh, true or false? Jim Harbaugh's one in five in bowl games at Michigan State, and the one win is his first year at the Citrus, Citrus Bowl, bowl against Florida when he inherited Brady Hoke's team. True or false? Michigan is now two and nine on the road against an AP top twenty-five clubs with the resources they have. That's inexcusable. True or false? Jim Harbaugh is now three and nine against Michigan and or against Michigan State and Ohio State combined. It's that's one hundred percent true. True or false? This loss ensures that they will not go to Indiana. True, one hundred percent. They won't go to Indianapolis. Michigan State, Ohio State in three weeks from the shoe is going to be for the Big Ten. No, nothing we said there was was fact, no. was fiction. It's you all can't it's fact. The truth. No, nope. exactly. Michigan. A lot of Michigan fans. You know what? Hold on. I don't want to say a lot of Michigan fans. You know what? I'm going to say something, and I I don't think a this is a line. portion. Yeah, I don't. Seventy percent of Michigan fans don't want Harbaugh there anymore. Seventy percent. I think that city's done with him. We had there were reports coming out last night that there were fire Harbaugh chants in Ann Arbor, and maybe bleep Jim Harbaugh chants that weren't coming from people in green and white. I think three fourths of that town wants him gone. 
because you didn't pay him for this. This is what every sports talk radio host will tell you when you originally hired the man and he's making more money than every other coach in the Big Ten, Sands Urban Meyer, before Ryan Day gets to Ohio State. You didn't pay him to beat Rutgers. You didn't pay him to beat Maryland. You didn't pay him to beat Indiana. You paid him to win those kind of games. When game day's in town, when you got Reese Davis and Reggie Bush and you you got Fox game day and you got ESPN and when the lights are on, You were paid to win those games because your predecessors at that university won those games. And barring something unforeseen, it's another year that you're not going to go to a BCS game. You might go to a new year six. It depends how everything else shakes out. You're probably looking at the Peach Bowl now. But in Mel's second year, he's, again, provided that nothing blows up, you know, knock on wood, as of right now. At what time is it? 11.35 on Sunday, October 31st. Happy Halloween, by the way. Yes, happy Halloween. Michigan State's on a crash course for the Rose Bowl. Jim Harbaugh's never been to the Rose Bowl. Michigan State, if they win and beat who they are supposed to beat, beat who you're supposed to beat. And that, that, you know, obviously I don't have them beating Ohio State in three weeks, but you do that, you're going to Pasadena. And Mel is doing what? Oh, here's another factor fiction for you. Um, according to 247 Sports, Michigan's recruiting class is 16th and Michigan State's is 17th. That's very true. True or false? In the 2022 recruiting class, as of right now, MSU has more four-star commits and more top 10 in-state recruits than Michigan. That's very true. You know, we'll, we'll keep things timely. We were supposed to do a college football blitz in the next segment. We're going to call an audible. We're going to move that to 1145. We're going to keep talking Michigan, Michigan State in the next segment. I want to throw out the phone number one more time, 517-884-8989. Thank you, friend of the program, Nick, for texting in. We're going to delve into your question a little bit more on the other side of the break. Once again, we're going to keep it timely, but we're going to bump things. College football is going to be coming up at about 1148. This is just, it's a victory Sunday. There's a ton more we can delve into. We we haven't even talked about what this means for Michigan State and the future of the program. A ton more on tap. Just a loaded Sunday on the Green and White Report. We'll be back on the other side. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. We're we're rocking and rolling. We're vibing on a Sunday morning. You know, there's nothing that would be played better over this song than the trouble with the snap drop that you have on that board in there. Yes. Let it play. Let it play. It's a. It's just a beautiful Sunday morning. The sun is shining. We have trouble with the snap. Thank you, Sean McDonough. But you know. Let's. I, I kind of want to reshuffle the deck. I want. I want to get something into the mix as well. We've kind of talked about you know what this means for Jim Harbaugh, which is not good because considering he can't beat his rivals, and you know once again, I'm coming from a genuine place with Jim Harbaugh because I have a lot of Michigan fans in my life. Everybody here does. We all, you know Henry's got sisters who go to the University of Michigan, fine institution. But I'm, we're coming from a genuine place when we say that it's just not working for Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. I mean. That is not a little, that's not a go green Sparty take. For the, the health of the program, he needs to go. I mean, when, I mean, it, it needs to be said. And I don't think that the entire Michigan fan base is, is just in unison supporting him. I'd say three quarters of, of Ann Arbor need, wants to change. I'll, I'll just say this the Michigan fans that I know in my life are done with him. Yeah. No, my mother works for the universities in the, same capacity. We're saying that he needs to go. What? Here's my thing. What moral stake do we have? It's better for Michigan State if he stays here forever. Because every time MSU has a half-decent team, they seemingly beat U of M. I just... 
it's frustrating because, again, you have such a reputate. Bo Schembechler is in the Rose Bowl every other year. You know, when you had that 10-year war period with Woody Hayes, it just, it, it's not working out, as you said, Luke. They're, you're tired of losing the big game. Great, we can beat Rutgers, we can beat Indiana, we can beat, but when the chips, when it's put up or shut up time, you shut up. And your rivals put up. That's the issue. Henry, I want to get your thoughts in the mix as well for Nick's question. As as one as your kin, one of your roommates that is a part of the packed house on an unnamed street in East Lansing that had a, just a fantastic weekend, except for your sisters who go to U of M. The, your, your thoughts on Nick's question and, and really kind of taking a holistic approach at Harbaugh and the job he's done in Ann Arbor. Well, as you said, coming from a former, former Michigan fan, you're in myself. Yes. It's it's and and having been reawakened or I don't know was it my eyes were opened right to the to the light when I, in the last three years a splash of yeah. wa- a splash of cold water it's, it's just it's it's like the perfect microcosm for everything about Michigan sports it's like just the most over everything is the most overrated uh, based on twenty years ago you know how great their program is and how great their coach is and everything's the best it's just it's it's outdated and it's inaccurate to. To, it, yeah, I agree. It's, it's time for him to go. You know, I mean, it's, he's not getting done what what they this, the praises they sing for that program. You know, it's just not happening. You know, and and once again, I want to preface this one more time. You know, this is we're, we're, the three of us, in our opinions, and also associate producer Peyton Emerson. The, we are not coming from this like go green Sparty perspective. We are serious about their future and getting wins. You know what? Well, let's just lay it all on the table. They get wins over non-conference schools they play, you know, the, the Northern Illinois and Western Michigans of the world. They'll beat the Rutgers and Maryland's and Indiana's of the world and the Purdue's. Ohio State, Michigan State, bowl games, big games. He's not winning them. And that, and that I mean, that's it. I mean, it's not a 9-3 program. The history, I mean, you know, a lot of Michigan fans like to talk about the history of the program. It, 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 they have history. They have tradition. They have beautiful facilities. They have great fans. They play in a beautiful stadium. They're arguably the second or third best brand in college football. There's no excuse to go nine and three every year and lose a bowl game. There's just not. Nathan, the, we'll talk about Mel Tucker next, but the final word on Harbaugh, Michigan. Brady Hoke has one BCS bowl win, and Jim Harbaugh has none. Yeah, it's it's these are sobering statistics. They're, they're very sobering statistics, and you know I know Harbaugh took. You know, over a fifty percent pay cut to come back to the university. You know, all that NFL rumors were just all, obviously all smoke. There was a lot said about him, you know, bringing a new energy this year, and I think he really has. But that new energy that he's brought in this year has not been enough. But you know, we're going to flip the page. We're going to talk a little bit more about Michigan State, Mel Tucker, the future of of the Spartans program. You know, there's been a lot said in the last two weeks about Tucker and LSU. You know, before we, you know, take a look at kind of what it means this year. I just want to take a moment and address personally the Tucker to LSU rumors. My thought is the following. A lot of people think that Mel Tucker, you know, needs to go to LSU maybe to win a national championship there. That program obviously has history, another great college football brand, immense resources. And if we're being completely honest, they have more resources than this university. But Michigan State with their combination of new facilities, recruiting, fan base, tradition is a top 15 or 20 program in college football. I don't think it's a homer take to say that. And the bottom line is this. Wins like this, being 2-0 and against your rivals, getting national attention, having two game days in town, having the recruiting class that he's bringing in, 
it is not out of the realm of the po- of possibility to say that he can make college football playoffs in East Lansing. A lot of people say he has to go to LSU to make the college football playoff, get to the highest level, but I think that's a falsity. The playoffs? It, yes. About? Jim Mora, yes. There's, with the news with the Colts. There's no reason why he cannot make the college football playoff. Mark D'Antonio proved that this brand can go to the college football playoff. Mel Tucker can do it again. And that's why, in my opinion, I don't think he's going anywhere. Nathan, I, I know you share similar opinions. I think your expectations are a little bit more tempered in terms of like titles. So I'm interested in your thoughts. I agree with you, but for a different reason, just from a practicality aspect. If I'm a recruit, this isn't the NBA or this isn't college basketball where you can leave after one year. All right. I got to commit to you for three years. And for me, if I'm a recruit and Mel gets hired by LSU, how do I know you're going to be there when I'm coming around to my junior year. You left Colorado after a year. You would have left Michigan State after two years. How do I know that you're building a program? You All you talk about is building a program and being tough and meat and potatoes and aggregation of marginal gains and all this other stuff. And Relentless. Of, doing the grunt work and all this stuff. The build. Chop life. I just, I don't think, you know, you're going to uproot your entire family again. I don't. The other thing that people forget, Michigan State's got some rich alums. Matt yes. Ishbia is worth that- over $10 billion. Dan Gilbert's worth a lot of money. Eli Broad Matt is worth was- a lot of money. Ishbia was at the game yesterday. And, you know, Tom Izzo's thoughts on this situation I thought were interesting as well. He really talked about how him, Tucker, the entire athletic department is really gelling. You know, I give Mark D'Antonio credit. I think he has really kind of put himself into the mix in a positive way. He's not a front man anymore, but he's kind of in the shadows you know, as a former hero of this program, you know, there, there's a photo on Twitter circulating about him watching the celebration yesterday. I think he's kind of gotten into the mix in an appropriate way, in my opinion. Everything is just kind of gelling, and Izzo was talking about what they're building in East Lansing right now in terms of recruiting, facilities, money. There, I I mean, to correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a Big Ten program. They're building something here. And I don't know if that's something you just leave after two years, especially when you go to LSU. If you're nine and three back-to-back years, you could get fired. Yeah, you're right. And you're also getting a brand new football facility. Here's my thing. That's bra- They're breaking ground on that in about two months. Remember when Tom Izzo was supposed to go to the, supposedly supposed to go to the Pistons? This or, is or the, the Cavs. Ar- this is the area that you navigate when you have a good football coach. It's either one of two things. It's either... He's going to get fired, or he's going to go somewhere for a quote-unquote step-up. I completely reject the narrative that Michigan State's a stepping stone program. Michigan State has six national titles and four Rose Bowl wins, including two Rose Bowl wins in the last 25 years. So, I'm going to play your game, too. True or false, the only two Big Ten teams to have college football playoff berths are the the Ohio State University and those little Spartans, little brother down the road. Unequivocally true. Unequivocally true. Little brother, apparently. I just... It's a lot of different things. I mean, I I just, I think he's happy here. This was his first collegiate coaching job as a GA after he's Big Ten. By, I mean, he's he born and raised in the Big Ten. He was from Ohio, played at Wisconsin. This is where Mel Tucker set his roots. And yes, he was at Georgia. Yes, he was at LSU as a defensive backs coach way, way back in the day. But this is what you have to navigate. And like this, as long as he continues to do this, you're going to have these rumors, but I would rather have a coach that someone wants or, you yes. know, someone that Penn State or USC are looking at or 
you know, LSU than someone, I don't know, like James Franklin or Mike Loxley, where it's like, okay, wait, when when's the time? It's like the old judge. Have you seen that like Judge Judy gif where it's like she's slapping her watch like and then slapping That's a great her on the reference. table? Like, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? When are we going to get fired? So it's, it's one of two yes. things. And this is the lesser of two evils. So I don't think it's a big deal. You know, we're going to keep on schedule. We're going to be talking Michigan, Michigan State through the rest of the show until one o'clock. I mean, how can we not? It's the big news. It's football. It's a victory Sunday. But we're going to get Henry in the mix after the break. We're going to take a look around the college football landscape, get a little college football rush in the mix. There were some notable scores, some notable movement in the Big Ten. Iowa-Wisconsin was an interesting game we can get into. There are a ton on tap on the way on the Green and White Report. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. As in, as company men and women, because Peyton is here today as well, as company people of Impact 89 FM, we take a hardline stance that couch burnings are bad and you could get kicked out of the Spartan family for participating in a couch burning. But we may have witnessed from afar a couch burning yesterday, potentially in front of our apartment building. And uh, the, the the fire department came and put it out. So, Henry, did you witness the upholstery uh, demolition yesterday? I will say there was not as much as I anticipated. That maybe that's because we're running promos like that, or it's yeah. actually a PSA. See, we're getting stuff done here. You could get kicked out of the Spartan family for burning a couch. So if you burned a couch, shame on you. I that's say, right. I say all that, you know, ha-ha, you know, if it ha- it happens, it happens. There yeah, was... we, don't, we don't endorse making yourself a junior pyrotechnic. Yeah. I, I didn't see any, I didn't see a lot of, I mean, I did see some burnings, but, the, you know, the main event I saw was a flipped car, actually. And it's Cedar oh, Village. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You didn't, you I saw feel the, so bad and for then the, the, and then the guy's like kick it, And then there's another guy that's, like, kicking the window in, and then the guy whose car they, like, literally burnt into the ground comes back up and, like, starts speeding up the... I mean, like, come on, guys. I mean, I understand well, celebration. Well, I can only... I, I just, just based... We got there kind of right after it happened. Yeah. And my assumption was that it was one of their cars, at least. I mean, God, it's just... I understand celebrating the win, but flipping someone's car and destroying it, I mean, that guy needs that to get into work. It was a dude in a flannel. I'm sorry, dude in a flannel. You got screwed yesterday. Where's the Venmo? But we did, <laughs> yeah. wit- I, Nathan and I did witness a couch burning yesterday uh, in our in front of our apartment complex. There were actually two couches, and then they were extinguished by the fine folks at East Lansing Fire Department. It's all the East Lansing police and fire. I hope you guys are okay today, because the last night was probably a long night. But anyways... That's uh, that sip of victory champagne witnessing the couch burning was it was an MSU moment. We'll just keep it at that. But we're going to stay timely. We're going to stay on schedule. Little college football rush with Mr. Hank Henry Metagos. Here we go. College football rush. Rush question. Florida is now four and four on the season after losing 34 to seven to Georgia. Are we worried at all about if Dan Mullen can get it done in the swamp? Yes. They have gone downhill since the 19 win in the Orange Bowl. Florida's kind of like what Michigan is in the terms of eight, nine wins a year is not going to get it done. Florida was really good with Tim Tebow, won a national championship with Tim Tebow, winning eight, nine games a year, two years in a row puts you on the hot seat. I, I completely agree. You know, I when I thought that was a match made in heaven, Mullen was a former Florida assistant under Urban Meyer, won national championship as the Swamp as his offensive coordinator. I thought that was a match made in heaven. I thought he was going to be able to recruit. It's another good college football brand. I thought the offense was going to get going, but he's got no quarterback. 
Todd Grantham's defense stinks. They're, I mean, they might not make a bowl game this year. I'm out on his future in the swamp. Russ, question coming off a 44 to 34 win over North Carolina. Does number 11 and 71 ranked, or excuse me, number 11 ranked and 71 Notre Dame have any shot at the college football playoff? I don't think so. There's just going to have to be a lot of things because Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State's right there, Ohio State's right there. They've got to hope that some teams in front of them drop. Like they're not in control of their own destiny anymore. And the problem with Notre Dame is you look so bad against Toledo. You look so bad against Florida State. You weren't particularly great against Purdue, and you you just haven't. There's not really an impressive win. Their most impressive win is beating Wisconsin by 28, which looks better and better by the day. But I'm sorry, beating Florida State, Toledo, Purdue, Virginia Tech, USC, they're good wins, but they're not great wins. They're not going to have a chance for a quote-unquote great win at all. I mean, Navy's not impressive. I'm looking at the remaining schedule. Virginia's okay. I mean, they're solid. Georgia Tech, Stanford. Like, what game in there is going to put you into the top four? I don't see it. We got too many cooks in the kitchen, and I don't just say that because my Halloween costume this year was a chef's costume. I mean, Alabama's going to go. Georgia's going to go. A Big Ten representative is going to go. Most likely OSU. Cincinnati could go. Oklahoma could potentially go, even though I know you and I think that they're frauds. Too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't see Notre Dame breaking into that. Rush question after a win over Tulane on Saturday and a perfect record this season. How legit is number two Cincinnati? I ha- I know you have pointed opinions on the Bearcats. I think we're going to we'll, we'll talk about this in the college football playoff light. Go ahead, Nathan. I am so sick and tired of hearing about bloody Cincinnati. By the time this is all said and done, you're going to have two Power 5 wins. Like, Miami of Ohio, I'm going to read to you their schedule, and you tell me, I don't care if you win 100 to nothing. Miami of Ohio, Murray State, at Indiana, at Notre Dame. Those are two good wins. But Temple, UCF, at Navy, at Tulane, Tulsa, at South Florida, SMU, at East Carolina. That's like the Weenie Hut Junior League. Like, what about Super Weenie Hut Juniors? Like, oh, for the it just drives me nuts because it's if MSU played this schedule, they'd be undefeated. It's just yeah. you cannot play two power. And I guess Notre Dame's not technically a Power Five team, but they're pretty much an honorary ACC member. You cannot have Indiana be your second best win of the year when Indiana is two and six and is one of the only teams in the Big Ten without a conference win and expect me to get behind you. And mind you, Cincinnati was only ahead fourteen to twelve. Against Tulane early in the third quarter, they weren't good for a while. Opinion, regardless, because I'm with you, then I think the Bearcats are fraudulent. If they run the table, I don't think the committee can keep them out. If they lose one game, they don't have a shot in hell. I mean, that, that's I mean that's my opinion. If they run the table, I don't think they can keep them out because there's so much noise every year about oh the, the group of five teams are not allowed in. Oh, we got to expand the playoff because the group of five teams don't get a seat at the table. If they run the table. They're not going to be able to keep him out. Rush question, is David Randa the next coach at LSU after his 7-1, number 16 ranked? May the Bears took down Texas on Saturday? You know, this is a quick one. I'm I'm just going to go quickly. You know, I know there's the Mel Tucker rumors. I don't think he's going to LSU. Baylor has made very – Baylor was not good last year. They've made big-time improvements this year. They're pretty legit. They have a shot at the Big 12. Aranda – is a defensive mind, which I think is what LSU needs because their defense has been horrific. You know, shout out Bo Pelini last year. You know, faux Pelini, great Twitter account. I th- I just have a gut feeling he's going back to the swamp. 
I say, yeah, he's a native son of LSU. He was there for four years, and he's the OS. He was the associate head coach and defensive coordinator from 16 to 19. So now, people at LSU, the boosters at LSU, love people from LSU. Case yep. case in point, Ed Orgeron. Yes, I think right now he's the early favorite. We're going to have to see who gets fired, who becomes available, and how this season ends. But as of right now, yes, I'd say he's the favorite. I agree. Rush question. Simply put, how gone do we think James Franklin is? USC calling? James Franklin, to quote the great Hawk Errolson, you can put it on the board. Yes, he's gone. He's gone. He didn't know what the state, what stadium they were playing. He in said this Illinois week. twice, and then he, he, yeah, no, his his mind's he's already got his back his bags packed to Southern California. I know James Taylor famously says I'm gone to Carolina in my mind. However, the song goes, James yeah. Franklin has gone to California in his mind. He's, his bags are packed. He probably already sold his house in Happy Valley. He's not in it. They're five and three. They're gonna they'll make a bowl at like eight and four, seven and five. But you know what? He's he's been looking to get out of there since he's gone there. He's gone, gone. And it's so. For a couple weeks ago, it was it was supposed to be a four horse race in the East between MSU, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. And Penn State took themselves out of competition first. By not only losing uh, losing to Illinois, which really screwed them up, you waked up today, you're 5-3. and three. You still have to play Michigan State on the road, and you have to play Michigan, albeit I know Michigan has to travel there, but that's not an easy game. Sean Clifford doesn't look right. I can't imagine that the by the time Franklin's here, final game of the year, Spartan Stadium's going to be electric. I think he's already going to have his mind checked, and I think that bodes well for the Spartans. I completely agree. Rush question is 8-0 and number 13 ranked Wake Forest, a legitimate ACC title contender. You know, both of us will just make this a quick one. The ACC is so wide open with Clemson being down and Florida State being down and Miami being down. You know, Pitt is an interesting team. By default, sure, I see him as a contender. I'm down. Well, Sam Hartman's a good quarterback. Yeah. To all my my fellow North Carolinians out there, Wake Forest is the Big Ten's version of Northwestern. Kind of the same thing. It's very small, 15,000 kids. It's a private university. But I'm with you. Who else is going to take the mantle? I mean, I just, I I can't pick. I mean, Pittsburgh self-imploded yesterday. Miami's back, I guess. You could say they're four and four, but they've already buried themselves. They're they're more concerned about making a bowl game than anyone else. Clemson's gone. Florida State's gone. Like, right now, it's like between Forest in Virginia. I, I think they're a good team. Sam Hartman's a good quarterback, but I put them there only because the rest of the conference is so wide open. Demon Deacons. Go Demon Deacons. Why not? Rush question. New head coach Brian Harson has Auburn at 6-2 and two and number 18 in America after an, after an upset win over Ole Miss. How high are we on his future? You know what? This is just kind of a gut feeling, too. And, you know, I gut feeling is kind of a cliche in sports and sports talk radio. I just think Brian Harson has some juice. Like, he just carries himself like a big-time coach. He calls plays. He's getting a lot out of Bo Nix this year. They're probably headed toward a, a nine-win season, probably a, a New Year's Six Bowl, maybe a Citrus Bowl, Outback Bowl. He, I think Harson carries himself with some juice. It's easy to recruit to a place like that. He calls plays. He won a lot at Boise State. He's a very – he's just a solid presence, and I – I sneaky like his future there. They were a 10-11 win team every single year 
He was at Boise State. If you look at the from 2014 to 2020, we, you know, we're not going to count 2020 because of the COVID year. He won 10 or more games five out of those six years. The only year he doesn't win 10 games was in 2015 when he wins nine games. I, It's easy to recruit at Auburn. And as decent as Auburn is as a football program, the expectations aren't quite as high as you would get at Georgia, at Alabama, at Florida, just because... You won the natty with Cam Newton in 2011, but Auburn's been traditionally a very good football program, but not an elite championship contending program on a day-to-day basis. So with those expectations being just a little bit lower, uh, 10, 11, 12 wins should be good enough to keep him there for a while. I agree. Rush question, who is your Heisman favorite? You know, I put three names down on, on, on the show sheet. I put Bryce Young, Matt Corral, and Kenneth Walker the third. I think that group of three has separated itself from the rest. It's a quarterback's award generally. So if I had a gun to my head right now, I'd say Bryce Young, who is the odds-on favorite. But I need to put this out there. And once again, this isn't Homer Sparty talking. Kenneth Walker showed up yesterday in a big game, in a big way. If he continues what he's doing, and if Michigan State continues to win, you can't lock him out. He's a very He is a very... I think he's plus 500. I think it's the third best odds currently. He's a real contender. I, I'm not going to call him my contender yet because it's a quarterback's award generally, but you cannot lock him out. No, I I actually have Kenneth Walker for the sole aspect of he's probably going to finish with 1,600 rushing yards and 20 rushing touchdowns, a la Chuba Hubbard a couple years back at Oklahoma State. Chuba Hubbard, current Carolina Panthers. Every Heisman Trophy winner, when it's not, even if you're a quarterback, even you need that. Heisman performance. Yep. You need that game. You need the Charles Woodson moment in 1997. You need the moment where it's like, okay, that's where you punched your ticket to New York. And rushing for 200 yards and five scores, something that's never happened in this rivalry in over 100 meetings, it's a pretty good way of doing it. With that being said, unlike some of these other guys, you know, unlike Bryce Young, unlike Matt Corral, still got Ohio State. Still got Penn State. You have many more opportunities. If he has another performance like that against either Ohio State or whether it's Purdue, like you have another 200-yard rushing performance, I don't know how you can keep him out. I just don't. I completely agree. We're going to change gears a little bit. It was a full first hour of football. At top of the hour, we're going to we're going to add a little sprinkle of football in about four minutes. We're going to do a quick three minutes on help Hank's fantasy team. We're going to bring it back. I didn't even put that down on the show sheet, but we'll sprinkle a little football in at the top of the hour, and we're going to do some NBA season predictions. We're going to talk a lot of basketball on this show. Trent is a big basketball guy. Nathan and I love the NBA. Henry, you love the NBA. So I know it's a, it's a victory Sunday. It's a football Sunday, but we're going to sprinkle a little bit of NBA in top of the hour. Sparty Awards, bottom of the hour. Once again, Halloween costumes, NFL picks, buy or sell coming up. A ton more to do. Top of the hour. One more to go. One more to play with here on the Green and White Report. I need to get. We need to give a special shout out to our music selection today by associate producer of the show, Peyton Emerson. Once again, having a knockout performance on this Sunday morning. I'm not gonna lie to you, boys. This, this is this is all me. Really. Peyton is not. Peyton's not. She's, she's not shaking her head. She's not contributing. Oh my goodness! This is what we pay you for. What, what's going on here? I thought Peyton is the is, is our show's resident DJ. 
Well, we'll get her. Wow. We'll get. We'll get a song. All right. We'll get, we'll get one from her coming up. We're gonna get her in the mix. We're gonna get her a mix. But you know, we're, we're we're bringing back something here at the top of the hour, and that would be help Fank help Hank's fantasy team, where we pick one matchup, one starting decision on Hank's fantasy team, and we 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 help him make a decision on who to start or sit. Do you have a one that's a little bit juicy today? Lord knows I need the help. Yeah, I, I had I had a strong start to the season. I I, I lost last week against Sloan's team. Big just, win for me. Yeah, big I'm just, win. Uh, well, I guess it was two weeks ago, but you know. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, I'm falling apart here. So I need help at wide receiver two. All right, okay, wide receiver two. You ready, Nathan? You ready? Yeah, we got three. Ready. I got three primary options here. Right now, I have Robbie Anderson starting. No bye spot. next. Oh no. Oh no! He's leading the NFL in drops. He's got 200 yards through eight weeks. He, he's in his own head. Next, you're a Carolina Panthers fan. I'm not a fan. I'm objective. Well, hear me out, Stearns. My options are not great here, so you might you might want to e crow on this a little bit. So let's see. Chase Claypool is also available. At the Playing the Browns. So Playing the Browns at one. Okay. Final option: Tyler Boyd, who has had a drop off ever since Jamar Chase started yeah. to show up. So who who is Tyler Boyd playing? Uh, let me check quick. They're playing the Jets at one. Ooh, the Jets are bad. Yeah. Okay. You know, who who are your Panthers playing today? Falcons. Don't do, Robbie Anderson blows. What is he? What is he projected points wise? He's projected in a PPR league to get twelve point three points. Okay. You know, I I see the Steelers winning today against the Browns, who are banged up. I don't know why. I'm I'm just going to call my shot on that before the picks. I I would lean. Claypool. I would, too. I would, too. As long as it's not Robbie Anderson, I really don't think you can go too wrong. Nathan is just all off the Robbie Anderson train. Well, yeah, I mean, when your best running back and your best offensive weapon goes out to IR and you proceed to take a complete dumpster dive and just decide not to play football the last four weeks... You get a little upset, you know, when you start off 3-0 and and now you lost to the Giants by 25 on the road and losing to the Eagles. Yeah, every, everything's great. Okay. Just great. What are, you, what are you feeling, Henry? Once again, you don't have to heed our advice. It is completely up to you as the no, general that's, manager. That's part of my contractual agreement to do this really? segment is that once the, once the verdict is made, my... My uh, selection is locked. So wow. it's, it's in the lineup right Chase now. Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool. We're will gonna be check starting. next week. We're gonna check in on this. All right. If we have some egg on our face, we have some egg on our face. You know, Trent's gonna be back next week. You know, we'll see if he approves or disapproves of that. But you know, speaking of Trent, there's one man out there who loves basketball, and that's Mr. Trent Valley. He loves basketball. I do too. We all love basketball. Who, who can't? It's, it's such a fun sport. But a lot of basketball on the way on the Green and White Report. And we're going to do a little NBA predictions right now. Extremely rapid fire. And this is how it's going to work. Nathan and I are going to go back and forth from 8 to 1 in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. And then we're going to pick two conference champions and an NBA champion in each co- for, for, the, for the year. We're gonna we're we're kind of we're gonna exclude the play-in tournament because I know it's coming back. We're just gonna go eight through one, starting with eight, and then we're gonna go conference champion in each conference and NBA champion. Once again, extremely rapid fire. We're going to start with the Eastern Conference. Nathan, your eight seed in the Eastern Conference. Boston, not been impressed. Uh, I don't know. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's a nice little duo, but they've fallen off a little bit. First year head coach. I got Boston at eight. My eight seed in the East is the Washington Wizards. They're off to a five and one start this year. They Scott Brooks is gone. They have a new 
Wes Unset Jr. is now in place. He's breathed some life. Still a legitimate superstar in Bradley Beal, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. They have some decent depth. They can score. Don't know about the defense, but I'm going with the Wizards at 8, up to the 7 seed. Nathan, your 7 seed in the Eastern Conference. The Raptors, and it, this wasn't even a pick about me liking Toronto as much as it is the rest of Like, 6 through 10 is an absolute crapshoot, so I just for a lack of a better reason, I'm going Toronto. My seventh seed, I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. Uh, like you, I'm not really high on them. I think Jalen Brown and J- Jason Tatum are going to be enough talent to get them in. Dennis Schroeder's an under-the-radar pickup for them at, at point guard. I'm a Marcus Smart guy. He's tough. I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics at seven. We're up to the sixth seed. Nathan, your sixth seed. The Charlotte Hornets. I have been impressed with what James Oregon is doing. LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges. They're better. You're 4-2. You beat Brooklyn. To get to three, you know, I think Charlotte's better. I think this is the year they're finally going to not be in like that eight to ten thing. But I have a hard time seeing them quite at the level of being in the upper tier. They're like right in the middle, like just above basketball purgatory. So I got Charlotte at six. My sixth seed is the Philadelphia 76ers. I think they have enough talent to make the playoffs. Obviously, Joel Embiid is still in the fold, Tobias Harris. But I think the Ben Simmons situation has really kind of put a dark cloud over the entire franchise. I'm going with the Sixers at number six, up to the five seed. Nathan, your five seed in the East. And here's where we get a little bit interesting. I go with the Washington Wizards. I'm high on oh Washington. Oh my. Wow. I don't, I don't oh know, baby. man. I love I it. Know. I don't know. I don't know. Bradley Beal seems like he's finally got his head on straight. Rui Hachimari, Montrez Harrell, Aaron Holiday. You got a lot of guys. Um, Kyle Kuzma, I other than Miami in the Southeast, I think Washington's a little bit better than Charlotte, so I'm going to put them at five. My five seed is the Charlotte Hornets. I think you guys have a lot, and you guys, I say you guys because this is your team. Yeah. I think you have a legitimate budding superstar in Lamelo Ball. Terry Rozier is an All Star. Miles Bridges is a, is a good complimentary player, as is PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre, Gordon Hayward. Mason Plumley is a good center. I don't know if he's a starting caliber center, but he's a good player and he stays on time. I think you guys are explosive, and I think you guys are a legitimate five seed in the East. Now it's the upper echelon. We're going to go, it's, it's one through four. Just to recap a little bit, my eight seed is the Washington Wizards, followed by the Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, and then Charlotte Hornets at five. Nathan, you can go ahead, recap your eight through five, and then go ahead and put four. I should know this. What did I do? I did Boston. I did Boston, Toronto, Charlotte, and Washington. And you're, and, you're, and uh, now you're four seed. Philadelphia. I'm okay. not horribly high with the Ben Simmons situation, but it seems like every year Philadelphia has some sort of like toxic environment, and they're always like That's true. a 55-win team. At the end of the day, you still have Joel Embiid. You still have Andre Drummond. You still have a lot of talent, and I, I don't know. Every year it's, oh, Philadelphia's got this problem and that problem, and Joel Embiid punched another guy, and you still win 55 games. So I don't see this being much different. My four seed is the New York Knicks. I think Tom Thibodeau has done a hell of a job coaching the Knicks. Kemba Walker has kind of breathed some life into them. Evan Fournier was a good sign in the offseason. He's a very good two-guard. They have some youth. They have they, they play defense. Obi Toppin is a, is a youthful player. R.J. Barrett. Mitchell Robinson, I think they're deep. I think they're well-coached. I think they play defense, and I think they're worthy 
of the number four overall seed in the Eastern Conference. We're up to the top three. Nathan, you're number three seed in the East. I'm going to slot New York in at number three for the only reason that you acquire Kimba Walker. You finally have a legitimate point guard to settle everything down and to put Julius Randle and Evan Fournier and R.J. Barrett in quality positions to win. As you said, this this is giving me like early, late 2000 Chicago Bulls vibes with like Joakim Noah and Carlos Boozer in terms of how Chicago was bad for a while. Thibodeau comes. You're a top three, top four seed. I'm with you. I'm putting Chicago on the upper, upper, upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. My number three seed. We're at three, correct? Yes. Okay. I apologize. I've got it all off track. My number three seed in the East would be the Miami Heat. I think they are a legitimate team. Bringing in Kyle Lowry, I think, was important. I I like the direction they're going in. They, they play defense. Eric Spolster is a championship-winning coach. I'm going with the Miami Heat as my three seed. Nathan, your two seed. I am going with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they're still going to get it going. You still have Giannis. You still have Drew Holiday. You're three and three, so you've started off slow, but water eventually finds its level. We're back to having a normal. We're back to having a normal 82 game year. My number two seed is the Brooklyn Nets. I think the star power, even though they have a cloud over them with the Kyrie Irving situation, is is immense. I have my, the Brooklyn Nets as my two seed. The and, fa- yes, go ahead. I was going to say the fact I completely neglect Brooklyn. Can I can I change my thing? Yes, I, you're allowed to. Okay, all right. We're gonna put. We're going to move Brooklyn to four. I'm like, look, I, I completely neglected a thing, and then we're going to bump Toronto out of the playoffs. Okay. I, you know, I completely neglected a team, too, and I'm sorry, and this is just bad. I completely neglected the Atlanta Hawks, so I'm sorry, Atlanta Hawks. I'm going to slot the Atlanta Hawks in at six, move the Sixers down to seven, move the Celtics down to eight, and bump out of the playoffs the Washington Wizards. I apologize. Reshuffle the deck, number one seed. All right, we're going with the Miami Heat. Whoa, I, hot take. No, it's not a hot take. I mean, Miami's a perpetual Eastern Conference. They're right there. You have Jimmy Butler. You got Kyle Lowry. I've been impressed with what Spolster is doing. All right. My number one seed is the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they look energized better than ever. We're going to go. We're going to switch to the Western Conference quickly. But to recap, my number one seed is the Bucks. Two is the Nets. Three is Miami. Four is the... Excuse four is the wow, I'm silly and I should have wrote this down. Four is the New York Knicks, five is the Hornets, six is the Atlanta Hawks, not Falcons, seven would be the Charlotte Hornets, and eight would be the now eight seed Boston Celtics. Nathan, to recap your top eight. Oh, good God. Uh, Miami, yeah, there's no way I'm gonna be. Hold on, I, I can name yours Miami. Milwaukee, no, Miami, Milwaukee, the Nets, the Wizards, the Sixers, the Hornets. I had the Bucks up there too, didn't I? Yeah, I said the Bucks. Oh, you did? You had the Celtics and you had the Wizards. Yep, so he knows my stuff better than I, I do. I do know your stuff better. We're going to switch to the Western Conference. Even more rapid fire. We're going to go two at a time, starting with myself. My eight seed in the Western Conference is going to be the the Memphis Grizzlies. My seventh seed in the Western Conference is the Portland Trailblazers. Nathan, eight and seven. It's terrifying. I was going to go Memphis, and then oh, I'm going to go Sacramento at seven. Wow. You have the Kings making yes, the playoffs. Yes, I do. My sixth seed in the East, and this is my hottest hot takes, is the Los Angeles Lakers. I am not high on what they did in the offseason at all. My, my five seed in the East is the Dallas Mavericks. 
I, I think Luca bounces back. Jason Kidd, decent hire. So that is my six and five. We're going to go with Phoenix at six and Dallas at five. My number four seed is the Phoenix Suns, and my number three seed is the Denver Nuggets. I, I'm a big fan of both teams. I, both of them, I think, are very sound. I am with you in lockstep. I'm going Los Angeles, and I am going with Denver. And this is where it gets even spicier for me. My number two seed is the Golden State Warriors. They're off to a great start this year. They have championship pedigree. This just feels like a year when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green continue to cement their legacy. And my top seed, again, is the Utah Jazz. They're too good to, to leave out, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, 1A and 1B for me. Just for the sake of posterity to be different from you, we'll take Utah at 2 and Golden State at 1. Wow. You're very, very high on those Warriors. I was going to say, Steph I mean, I am too. Steph Curry's a monster. All right. We're going to keep things timely. We're going to roll along. We're going to combine it into one Eastern Conference champion, Western Conference champion, and NBA champion. We're going to start with you. I'm going with the Miami Heat. I'm going with the Utah Jazz. And give me the Jazz to finally lift the crown. Wow. I really like that take. I am going with the Denver Nuggets as the Western Conference representative. They're going to get Jamal Murray back midseason. Nikola Jokic is a legitimate NBA. He's a legitimate MVP candidate again, and then coming out of the Eastern Conference, I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm going to say that the Denver Nuggets hoist a championship trophy at the end of the year, a well-deserved championship trophy. So that is your NBA preview, one through eight conference champions and NBA champion here on the Green and White Reports. On the other side of the break is the Sparty Awards with the theme of Halloween costumes for on this on this gorgeous Halloween Top three Halloween costumes for Nathan and I. Henry's going to give us what we missed. Maybe our, our costumes are what we wore this weekend. Who knows? Stay tuned to find out on the Green and White Report. You know, this, is, this might be kind of a, another hot take, but I wish Eminem was the guest picker on College Game Day. I know Eminem is a Michigan fan, but... Obviously, there was his notorious performance in the broadcast booth for the Michigan-Notre Dame game 2014. That was just a hell of a time. But Henry, it had to be Eminem. I mean, come on. That would be television gold. They ended up going with Ken Jeong. Yeah. yeah, Obviously, I wasn't able to watch. He's very funny. Yeah, we didn't watch either because, I mean, we were in the student section watching him pick games on the field. Right. I, I didn't find out until after the game that Lee Corso picked U of M. I was just... De- I, I could see. He put on a big Michigan helmet, yeah. so you we were able to see it, actually. I I must have been blacked out just because of excitement. Not alcohol, because I'm a res- I'm very The amount of times you said that you blacked out yesterday no. is actually concerning. No, I didn't black out because of beverages. I blacked Either out way, because man, of excitement. You gotta, get that, you gotta get that checked out. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm, dead, I'm dead on serious. I... I had multiple times when my heart just stopped and I just faded into the other side. Oh, the his family listening. He is safe. He's okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm here. I'm okay. And and I, once again, it, this was not because of alcoholic beverages. <laughs> I was sto- I was stone cold sober at the game, stone cold sober, and I was fading in and out from the other side just because I couldn't take it. And he was conscious when I got back. I can confirm. It was. It was too much. The game was too much. Anyway, Ken Jong, do we have any reports on how that went? Was that I'm entertaining? Not, you know, I haven't gotten any reports. You know, most people I know, like my parents and everyone, went to the game. 
So yeah. I guess I'll have to find someone that actually watched game day. But speaking of picking things, we're going to pick things on the Sparty Awards. Happy Halloween, by the way. The, the Halloween drops have been just fantastic. But this is the Sparty Awards. Well, the happy Halloween once again. We have to re-up everything after the intro because we love the Sparty Awards. Our Sparty Awards topic for this beautiful Sunday, October 31st, 2021. The sun has kind of gone away, which is sad, but it is the our, our favorite Halloween costumes. Now, there are two rules. These can be costumes that we've worn before, or they can be costumes that we just enjoy. So, Anything is on the table. You and I have three submissions apiece, and then Henry's and Peyton are going to go after what we missed, maybe things that they wore. There's there's a lot to play with here. Nathan, we're going to kick it to you first. Oh, boy, this is great. See, when I was a kid, I went through this phase where I wanted to dress up as an inanimate object. So, like, remember when you were a kid and someone would ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to say a swimming pool, a mailbox, a light pole. Like a telephone wire. What do you mean? <laughs> uh, that's exactly. Like, I, I swear. Ask either. Ask my mother. Or my father. It was terrifying. Like what is son? De- you is can't it? be a mailbox. You can't. What? Because when you're a kid, it's like your imagination can run wild and you can do whatever you want. Dad, I didn't understand what an inanimate object was and wasn't. When I when I pick, this I don't know electric. why that was that was awesome. Stories. I don't know why my brain like moves to this, but when you think of inanimate object and dressing up. I think of the Bill from Schoolhouse Rock, and he's like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a, a Bill. Bill. Yeah, I'm only a Bill. Bill, and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Like, from I don't know. 45 mm. years ago. Oh. Sorry, guys. That oh, was okay. bad. That, we were not good. Okay. I'll g- Anyways, so wanting to be inanimate objects. Well, can you give us an example? What did you what Yeah, did you what do? did well, you I do? I wanted to. I never dressed up as it because you can't find a light pole or a mailbox <laughs> or a swimming pool costume. I remember being three, and this was terrifying. I dressed up as Cinderella, oh. something I'm not particularly yes. proud of. I I remember my dad having serious concerns about my well-being ask after, after his son asked him to be dressed up as Cinderella. He wasn't happy about it, but he wow. would trust that I'd grow out of it, and I didn't grow out of it. We are I was I was going through a phase where I had an unhealthy obsession with Disney princesses when I was a small child. Whoa. Wow. We're off to so it. Uh, you were just revealing Well, I mean, it's, it's true. Today. I mean, how can you not put that? We're off I mean, to, nobody else wow. dressed up as Cinderella as a Disney princess, but I, I did. We're off to an unbelievable start. I mean, we have swimming pools and mailboxes and bills and <laughs> Cinderellas. And I, I don't really know how I could follow this up because mine are boring. But yeah, my, I, I think we might just have to just scrap the whole Sparty Wars now. They are tough to follow. Boy, my number one is Cowboy. Now, yeah, cool. Cowboy was my go-to hot costume when I was in like high school and stuff when I needed to wear a costume. I don't think I've pulled cowboy off in college, maybe freshman year, but I've been a cowboy more times than I can count. Get your boots, your your bandana, vest. You got a nice hat, of course. Cowboy is easy to pull off. It's a hit at parties. You can tip your hat to people. You can say things like howdy. I... I I'm all in on cowboy. Henry, you've been a cowboy. I have. Yes. That's, I I agree with the uh, the ease of of obtaining the necessary uh, garb. It, it's if you're getting rowdy, it's easy to get rowdy in a cowboy costume. You can, you can dress it up. You can dress it down. You, you can you know boogie with it. You know what I'm saying? You can give people your hat to wear. Yeah, you it's, know it's a hit. Yeah, cowboy is just a great hit. Now, that's my number one. You know, I'm going to throw it to Nathan and. 
you know, you have a lot to follow up here because in in segment or your first submission was Cinderella and inanimate objects. So drum roll, please. Yeah, I dressed up as Dale Jr. when I was nine yes. because at that phase in my life, I was going through a NASCAR phase where. And yes. if you live in North Carolina, like from the time I was probably seven to the time I was about sixteen, I was utterly obsessed with NASCAR. Like my dad loved it. My, this is great. And I grew up like. If you grow up in Charlotte, that is the mecca of NASCAR. You have Hendrick Motorsports there. You have Richard Childress Racing. You have DEI. You have all of the big companies, all the big manufacturers. I cannot believe that I I still have that Dale Jr. costume somewhere. I don't know where it is. I lost that Cinderella costume a long, long time ago, and that's probably not a bad thing. But I do think I have the Dale Jr. costume. I don't know where I found that, but I just remember walking through Walmart or Target and my mom buying it for me. Is this really what you want to be? Yeah. Yeah, it is, because at that time, I went through, like, like, did you go through phases as a child where you just started being, like, like randomly fixated on certain things, or was that oh, just yes. me? Oh, that was all. I was fixated on so many things. You know, as a quick aside, it's that time of year. You know, the studio smells like it's burning right now, and you know what? That that means one thing. The residence halls are turning the heat on, because the heat, you, you know this, as a former residence hall we all know this as former. I thought they were getting rowdy with some couches outside. Or oh something. my, they might be. Yeah, maybe. But every time they turn on the heat for like the first time a year, and it's pretty chilly out, so they probably did turn it on. It smells like burning, and it currently smells like burning. And it's okay. This show is not going to go off the air. But I just wanted to put that out there because you know I was smelling something burning. It, it's maybe it's still the couches. We don't know. All right, my number two submission is 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 Pooh Bear. I, when I was one years old. I was in a fuzzy Pooh Bear costume, and it was, to this day, my best Halloween costume I've ever worn. I looked so great. I have a picture of myself somewhere, but I, I looked fantastic. I was fuzzy, and I had some honey, and I, I loved Pooh Bear when I was one, and I looked great. E- easily the, the, the best Halloween costume I've ever pulled off. Easily. It's not even close. Thoughts? That's not bad. I mean, that's yeah. better than mine was when I was one. What was yours when you were one? I was a cow. I was a little cow. You know, my cow mom, is good, though. No, my I was a little cow. My mom dressed up as a big cow, but the old story goes Cute. she put on the costume, and I started sobbing uncontrollably because <laughs> I didn't think it was her. I thought oh. it was somebody else. I didn't recognize her. Like but, the Chick-fil-A cows. But Yeah, it was, but the, thi- the only thing, it, it also came with like a giant thing of fake poo. I remember, oh. like, the costume came with the giant thing of fake poo, and we've lost the costume, but I do know that up in our attic, we do have, we still have the fake poo from the costume, so oh, I'm going to have to find that. Wow. And, like, and like she she let me carry it around, and I just started, like, hawking it at everybody. I'm like, oh, fa-. I didn't even know what it was, but it was, it was just like a giant, it's just like a giant plastic thing, a fake whatever, and I just start chucking it everywhere. Obscene. Just obscene. It's he's throwing just nasty things. No, it was just like, it was, no, it was just like one giant. It was just a giant, like, plastic thing. It wasn't, like, a bunch of little pieces of Was anything. it, like, sticky? Or... No, no, it was just like a rock. I mean, it looked like a piece Ow. of poop, but that was it. It was like a giant plastic piece of poo. Wow. Man, people probably didn't give you candy for that. Ooh, acting up. Acting, acting bad. All right, my number one. Well, I don't know. Pooh Bear is probably number one. But my number 1A and it would is Chef. And I wore... Thank you. I'm getting a round of applause from Peyton. Thank you. Chef, yes, speak into the microphone. If you want to speak into the microphone, speak into the microphone. I love Chef. Yes. That is the first words she's uttered on this program is that she loved my Chef costume. But I have reasoning for this, too. I was a chef a couple of times when I was like seven or eight. 
And I was a damn good one too. I was a great chef. I had the hat and coat just like I did. And I was a chef this year for Halloween. So this year's was a throwback. It was something sentimental to me. I think I pulled it off. It it, it was a hit at Halloween parties we attended. It was great. I had utensils. I had a spoon. I think I lost the utensils. So I, so chef, I love chef. Nathan, did I skip you? Have you have you done three? I've done three, but I'm going to go one A two. I was okay. a banana, and mind you, I originally wasn't going to go as anything, but we were going to pick up some uh, some snacks and everything for our buddy who was coming up from Western Michigan, Stephen Meester. Go and, Broncos! And I saw this, but actually, Luke did. I, there's this banana costume on the floor of the Meyer that I thought was going to be cheap as crap, and it ended up being thirty five dollars. And me being the idiot that I am, I thought it was a good idea to wear my gym shorts and no shirt under the banana costume while it was like forty five and rainy. And we're standing outside the Dublin line for like forty five minutes, only to have to run back. That's the last time I don't wear a shirt when it's forty five degrees out. You know, people, that was a pl- bad, bad decision. Places didn't reject you though. Like you had. Uh, you had a covering. No, but what was funny, We what was that pl- beggar's banquet or whatever where we went to eat? No free plugs, but yes. There was a, well, it's story time because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm running time. to the, I, well, all the waitresses and everything, whatever, and this is like a nicer place to eat. And we yeah. walk in. Yeah. Well, the, the owner looks at me and goes, Free oh. lancing standards. He goes, oh, okay. No, but they had like a wedding reception or prom or something. It, like th- their ballroom that they, they had kind of gated off prom? was right next to the bathroom or something. I don't know. It was some fancy occasion. Everybody was in suits or tuxes. And I'm just standing there in the doorway with my wet banana self just staring oh. at them. And I th- like 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 five of the waitresses just start busting out laughing. And they had like a bunch of like 70 and 80 year old people there that looked like they had just seen and go. So I'm pretty sure I ruined their reception. Was it the 70 and 80 year old people's prom? I don't. It might have was a wedding or something. I don't know how these things work. Well, you want you, we have prom. We had prom in high school. Oh yeah, we typically did, in we? spring, but you know it's okay. Anyway, oh we, we had homecoming in the fall. I, right. I don't know what's going on anymore, Henry Peyton. What what did we miss? Sterns, can I just say you what? made this segment. This is great. Delight. This, is, <laughs> this is the best Sparty Awards we've had all year this long. This has been a delight. I love Halloween. I love Halloween. Anyways, what, what did we miss? All right. Um, I would say I'm just going to go with some classics, right? And these are not even necessarily things that I've done, but I mean, everybody has like a superhero year, right? Oh, a million percent. Yeah. I was I was Buzz Lightyear. Oh, that's great. I, I would consider him a superhero. He's got like a jetpack and a... Yeah, okay. thing that goes down. I, over I love Spider Man for a, an extended amount of time to infinity and beyond. That was a rock one year. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what uh, superhero that was, man. But rock. No, it's just a rock, like just a bull rock. Yeah. What? Uh, what did that entail? Giant paper mache costume because we couldn't find one. And I remember I, God, I was probably five. Were or you six like? Or- a significant rock to history, like the Plymouth Rock. No, I was just like, a rock. I wanted to be a rock. So, like, there was no like significant hit, like the MSU Rock, like the one that we paint on campus. Or well, you always have the thing too. Where like, well, remember when we were like, oh, remember when we were like sixteen or seventeen? Remember we all you went as the baseball player, I went as the Ebola doctor during the when Ebola was still oh, a thing. Oh my god! And Kyle was the gorilla, and Steven, what was Steven? <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> Your your costume that year got scratched by a cat. Yeah, I did. Oh, well, I tried picking it up, and I realized all cats didn't want to be held. Was it? It wasn't Snuggles. It wasn't my cat, was it? Ebola doctor. 
Well, it, it was my. You well, know, it, it was even worse because my mom works at U of M and got like all the gowns and everything, and like it looked like no, I was a, I a quarantine this. doctor. You no, you were something. I, I don't know what I you might were. have been like a hockey player or something lame. lame. I was going to say no. Steve Steven was the baseball player, and Kyle was the one in the giant gorilla costume. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was dressed up as like. Some yeah, he was a gorilla. It was it was a good costume. There's a it was picture quite of that spooky. wandering around somewhere. I'm I, it, find... Right here, it, it's not wandering. It's on my phone. Anyways, yeah, your your costume that year got scratched by your cat severely because yeah. you were attacked by him. I'm always attacked by him. He um, really likes my mother, and he tolerates me because I feed him. Oh no. Okay, you know, <laughs> Peyton, Hank, I've been trying to pull it together back. You know, guys, I, we're, we're all dying. <laughs> um. What did you guys? What did you guys wear this year? Because you had a couple of group costumes. We, we had a couple. Uh, we did Guns and Roses. She was Slash with the. You know, she's got the curly black hair to match. Trent would not allow this if he was here uh, right now. It's okay. Probably yeah, not, Rose. So it's okay. Um, and we also went as Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I love it. Movies. Group costumes are just the best. Yeah, of course. Anyways, I was gonna throw a couple more out there for you guys. Yes, I was just at the superhero phase. There was the athlete phase. I'm sure it's easy. Put on yeah. a jersey, get a helmet or something. I was Steve Eiserman. See, there it is. So the, I believe in the Iser plan. I was Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, yes. One year. Great and I costume. felt very at ho- home in those clothes. I would tell you that garb. Oh, very at home? I so, felt very comfortable. So you're you're a pirate? I am. A, I think so. Yeah. I was I was Harry Potter one year. Oh, of course. That's great. Everyone was Harry Potter. I had a wand. I had a real yeah. genuine wand. I spent 30 bucks on a wand in, in a so, universal. So did I. Yeah. It's got like the end of the wand is like, it looks like the roots of a plant. Yeah. And I guess that means I'm like cool or something. Sure. So my, my final I love pick that wand. though, that yes. this is a little bit, uh, I don't know if this applies to everybody, but my final pick for what you missed somehow is what you missed is uh, Tom Cruise from Top Gun. Oh is my. a reoccurring theme for me. Was that, that wasn't last year, but it was, it was every freshman year. year, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it was both years. <laughs> I know you I think you debuted that your freshman year. When it snowed the day after Halloween, that was wow. a rowdy time. Take my memory on you. Yeah, it, it's your freshman year when you lived in Wilson. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, it snowed the day after Halloween. And I think the day of Halloween, it was soaking wet. Because I remember we were walking somewhere together, probably a friend of the program, Joe's house. Mm. And that was a hit. That, that costume was a hit, though. You wore your sunglasses inside. Very, uh, it didn't matter. It's very uh, easy to pull off. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looked great. This this was a wild segment. We 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 touched on a lot of stuff, including you know pandemics and Ebola and Cinderella and rock and inanimate objects. And you know I thought my submissions were going to be good, and and I got trumped by Nathan's submissions. So I you know I think all in all we 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 put together we put together a good segment. We covered our bases. We we shared some laughs. It was a good ride. On, on the other side of the break, and it's going to be a quick NFL buy or sell with Henry, and then we're going to finish the show with NFL picks. But it's been a big football show. It's been a big Halloween show. It is still a victory Sunday, and it's a Halloween Sunday here on the Green and White Report. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Is this a, is this a Peyton submission? This is, no, this is still me. Okay, we're still rocking and rolling. With I, I, she did get one, and that was the uh, Eminem. Oh, some shady stand up. And I, 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 that was great. I thought that was fantastic, and it transitioned perfectly into our talking point about how he should have been the the guest picker on College Game Day. But we're gonna dive right into a little bit more football. 
A lot of college football in hour one. If you're interested in hearing the Michigan-Michigan State conversation, the national look at college football, you can find the podcast anywhere if you're interested. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, ImpactEating9FM.org, or anywhere you find your podcast. ton of college football talk. A full hour of college football talk and Michigan-Michigan State between 11 and 12. But we're going to finish the show with some NFL picks are on the way next. But right now it's NFL Buy or Sell with Mr. Henry Menegos. Buy or sell, Brian Flores' future as head coach in Miami and Tua as the quarterback. Sell, they've been trying to get Tua, they've been trying to trade Tua for a can of Bush's baked beans and a pair of sweaty gym socks for the past year now. Brian Flores is on his last leg. If the season goes the way it's supposed to go, that'll be two, five or less win years in three seasons. He's gone at the end of the year. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the, the one in... Six. Yes. Dolphins are playing Buffalo at Buffalo today. One and seven. Ouch. Yeah, that's not going to be a win. Tua, you know, Stephen Ross, ownership. Ever since they drafted him, it seems like they've wanted to trade him. I think Flores gets fired. I think Deshaun Watson, they find a way to get him to South Beach. And Tua, hopefully, is a future Detroit Lion. Lord, please deliver Tua to us. I know Bob Quinn and, and Matt Patricia didn't draft him, but we can get him for like a fourth round pick at this point. Just give me something that's not Jared Goff. Anyways, before I cry, next question, please. Buy or sell, the Cleveland Browns will still win the division despite all the injuries they've suffered. I am going to sell that. I think the Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens are both the superior teams. Even though the Browns are going to get healthy, they probably have dug themselves in a hole too deep. Lamar Jackson is still in the AFC North, right? Correct. Harbaugh's still in the AFC North, right? The good Harbaugh. No, I... I sell this. I I'm not gonna say that Cincinnati unequivocally is better than Cleveland right now, but Baltimore is, so I'm selling this as well. I agree. Baltimore, Cincinnati, it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. I think it's a toss. I mean, we're gonna see Baltimore at Cincinnati. It's gonna be a great matchup. Could be for the division. It's gonna be Pittsburgh's obviously out of it. They they stink, but all right, regardless. Buy or sell the Detroit Lions are the worst team in the NFL. I'm gonna sell this. I think on paper the Texans are worse. I think Atlanta's really bad. I think the Jets are really bad. I think the Lions are going to find a way to win two or three games. I think that starts today with the Eagles. You know, the Bears, again, they're terrible. I think the Lions will find themselves two or three wins. On paper, I don't think they're the worst team in the NFL, even though they have the worst record. No, I don't. It's important to remember that Houston won with Tyrod Taylor over Jacksonville. At least Detroit's competitive. I'll say that. Like, they're right there to win it. Like, you haven't gotten over the hump. Houston, it's not even close. You go out there every time, and, you know, Davis Mills is going to go throw for four picks. Like, oh, what was the name of that one quarterback who threw five picks in a game? Who- that would be the great Nathan Peterman. Yes, that guy. No, I do not think. I think Detroit's probably better than the Giants. I think Detroit could beat Philadelphia today. We'll see. No, I don't think they're the worst team in the football. One of the five worst, but not the worst. Yep, I agree. Buy or sell, Kansas City won't make it back to the AFC title game. You know what? I, I've been the most Chiefs apologist on this radio program, but I think they have serious problems. They tried to manicure the offensive line. And it hasn't been playing well. Orlando Brown has not played well at left tackle. Steve Spagnuolo is going to get fired as their defensive coordinator. There are too many good teams in the AFC. Baltimore's got to be in the conversation. The Chargers have to be in the conversation. The Bills have to be in the conversation. At this point, I have to sell that. 
Or, I, or excuse me, I have to buy that. I'm not buying Kansas City making it back to the AFC title game. Yeah, neither am I. You're three and four, and you still got several, several hard games. They got to go to the Chargers. I was going to say, with the way they're going, they're going to end up being a wild card, and it just, this feels different. Raiders this just are has, good. This has the feeling of a different year where perhaps someone else finally takes the mantle for the AFC and runs with it. Kansas City's not going to the AFC title Patrick this Mahomes year. turning the ball over a lot. I have legitimate I'll concerns. Say, NFL and defensive coordinators have started to figure out a little, a little bit, and Kansas City's kind of in the ice age in terms of adjusting right now. I think that's a really good way to put it. People have figured out what they do. Buy or sell the 4-2 Saints' chances of making the playoffs? I'm going to buy them just because Sean Payton, every time I count him out, he seems to just make the playoffs. It's an expanded playoff this year. I think that helps their chances. Jameis Winston and their offense have performed above expectations. At this moment in time, and I know you're the AFC, or excuse me, the NFC South expert with your team being in it, I'm going to buy them, but I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. Yeah, I'll buy them. Is this they make it or they compete in the playoffs? I'm going to let's say they make it. Then I buy it. But the problem is New Orleans is so up and down. You got to you lost to Carolina by 19. You lost to the Giants in overtime. That Seattle game on Monday night was one of the ugliest games ever. And I I think they make it just because the NFC South is kind of a bleep show this year, but no, I don't think they do anything in the playoffs. There'll be a sixth seed, or there'll be a seventh seed, and they get run out of the building the first round. I'm in full agreement. Buy or sell, Callie Shanahan will make it back to the Super Bowl during his time in San Francisco. I'm going to sell that. Something weird's going on in San Francisco. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the lack of a quarterback, but something smells foul in San Francisco. I'm going to sell that. I, I, I respect the hell out of Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a, a damn good football coach. But something is just off. The mix is off. It's making me think that the magical run to the Super Bowl when they lost to Kansas City may have just been a miracle. Sell Kansas, or, yeah, sell. I'm selling this. Kyle Shanahan's not, not been high on him for a long time. Your offense is straight out of the 1980s. Trey Lance has to be a little bit though. better. No, bye-bye. Now you stink. Bye-bye. Time to go to the unemployment line, get your pink stamps and your government cheese. Bye-bye. Oof. Kyle Shanahan out, apparently, according to Nathan Stearns of the Green and White Report. Bye-bye. we got 12 minutes left until 1 o'clock here on the Green and White Report. Rapid-fire NFL picks against the spread are on the way next. Finishing a great football show and a victory Sunday with a little bit more football here on the Green and White Report. This is another fantastic bump back from break song selection. I was the biggest J. Cole fan in the entire world when I was in high school. I used to sit in class and, you know, it was a, it was kind of taboo to put your, like, we didn't have AirPods at the time, your earbuds in, you know, God forbid they have cords. Oh, no. I'd put them in and I'd listen to J. Cole, like, whole albums during class. I probably shouldn't say that. I'm, I'm very good academically. You know, I didn't get into the Ivy of the Midwest, Michigan, I didn't apply, but, you know, very good, very good academically. Anyways, I'm not going to oust my academic record. We're going to get into some NFL picks here on the Green and White Report against the spread. I love it. Fade in the music. All right, boys, here we go. Here we are. First pick, we've got Cincinnati Bengals traveling to play the New York Jets. Bengals are favored minus 11. Oh, give me Cincinnati. What are we? Joe Flacco season, guys. Zach Wilson out. With the shoulder injury, Cincinnati wins and they cover easily. Yeah, this is an easy one. Give me the Bengals. Uh, 
I mean, 11 points is a lot, but I think they can take care of business on the road. I'll take the Bengals by a million. I think the Jets have some guy starting for them named Mike White. Is Flacco out? Or? I don't I don't know who it is. There's no Wilson. I, I might be starting a quarterback for the Jets. Bengals by a zillion. Next game, the Los Angeles Rams travel to play the Houston Texans. Rams favored minus 16 on the road. The Texans have been kind of weird this year. Like, sneaky competitive, kind of like the Lions. A lot of points. Rams win. Texans cover. Yeah, I'll bump it to Henry, but give me the Texans. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take the Rams here. I don't. I mean, 60 points is a lot, a lot of points, but um, I'm not I'm not feeling Texans. Best team in the NFL, the Rams. Rams easily win this, and the Rams easily cover. Houston scored eight points the last two weeks combined. A lot of big spreads today. The Miami Dolphins travel play the Buffalo Bills. Bills favored minus 14 at home. Too many points for a divisional game. Give me Miami to cover. That's, that's good reasoning, but I'm going to take the Bills here as well. I'm, I'm liking the uh, I'm liking the big point spreads today, so give me the Bills. I, I'm more in lockstep with Nathan. I think Miami's garbage. I think they have a new head coach and a new starting quarterback at this time next year. I know it's at Buffalo. Bills Mafia is probably smashing tables as we speak right now, but that's just, just way too many points for a division game. Give me Miami plus 14. Next game, the Pittsburgh Steelers travel play the Cleveland Browns. The Browns favored minus four at home. Give me Cleveland, dog pound. Wow. Yeah, I'm liking the Browns. You guys know I'm a, I'm a big Brownie supporter this year, so give me the Browns. I, I called my shot earlier in the show. I'm going with Pittsburgh outright. Just g- give me the Steelers. I, I'm not I'm not as high on the Browns as I was earlier in the earlier in the season. Next game, we got the San Francisco 49ers traveling to play the Chicago Bears. The Bears are giving up four. So excuse me, the Bears are, the Bears are taking four at home. Oh, boy, this is an ugly game. Give me San Francisco. Matt Nagy, Justin Fields, got to get it going here. Yeah, we'll not be tuning into this game. But, no, uh, heck no. Yeah, uh, give me the Bears, actually. Give me the Bears at home. I, I'm going with Nathan's pick as well. I'm going with the 49ers to cover that four points. Four points is kind of a weird spread. So in that instance, I usually go with the favorite. Bears stink. Lions are going to beat them on Thanksgiving. I know I'm down on Shanahan, but Bears are just terrible. Next game, we got the Tennessee Titans traveling to play the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts favored minus two and a half at home. Oh, boy. Uh, give me – this just smells like an Indiana win. Tennessee will have like three good weeks in a row and then one week where they lay an egg. And Frank Reich sort of resurrected Carson Wentz from the dead. Give me Indianapolis here. Kind of a sneaky line here. I'm going to take the give me the Titans outright. Wow. Mike Vrabel and crew high on, on the on Titans. The road. I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. I think Carson Wentz has been pretty solid for them this season. He has not been bad. I'm, I'm a big-time Frank Reich guy. They're going to have a decent home field advantage. I think the Colts are going to start crawling their way back into that division rates. I'll easily take them to cover two and a half. Next game, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to play the Seattle Seahawks. So yeah, Seahawks are favored minus three and a half at home. Oh, this is the stink bowl if there ever was one. My- there are some stinkers this week. My God, I guess give me Seattle because they're at home. I guess Geno Smith versus Trevor Lawrence. Oh, goody. You know what? Give me Urban Meyer and the Jaguars. Wow. I'm, I'm thinking uh, he's feeling good now. He's back on track. So, uh, yeah, give, give me the Jaguars on the road. Herbs had a little incident earlier this year, but he's coming back from that strong, <laughs> according back. to Hank. <laughs> My reasoning is kind of silly for this. I just, I just don't see Seattle losing at home. Not to Jacksonville. Give me the Seahawks. Next game, the New England Patriots travel to play the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are four-and-a-half-point favorites at home. 
Not a big enough line. Give me the Chargers easily. It should be a 10-point line. I'm not high on Mac Jones. I'm not high on New England. Easy for me. Give me the Chargers. Yeah, I, I like what the Chargers got going on. I like uh, Herbert. I think they're. Uh, I think it's actually gonna be a sneaky good game. Give me Mac Jones on the road. Actually, I I'm going with I'm going with the 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 points as well. I think four and a half is is too many in this game. I think the Patriots are likely going to get up for it. Give me the Chargers to win by like a field goal, but I got the Patriots covering. Next game for Sturge, we got the Carolina Panthers traveling to play the Atlanta Falcons. Carolina Panthers are three-point dogs on the road. Give me Atlanta easily. Carolina's oh. a joke right now. Oh, my goodness. Easily. You, you lost to the Giants by 25 on the road. What do you call that? You're a sad, corrupted man. <laughs> this is so sad. This is your hometown club. Oh, no, I'm objective. We stink right now. We've lost it. This was supposed to be the easy stretch of the year, and you lost to the Eagles and the Giants. Wow. Wow. I don't know what to Heat say. Coming through the mic. Yeah. Come on, Stearns. I believe it's something. Give me the Panthers yeah. on the road. Give me the Panthers. Come on. Keep pounding Carolina Panthers. Give me them on the road. This Falcons are terrible. They've been better lately, though. They've been they have quite been a bit better. better. Carolina's cratered. Next game, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to play the New Orleans Saints. Buccaneers are four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Saints are painfully average. Tampa Bay is what Tampa Bay normally is with Tom Brady behind the helm. Give me the Bucs. I will also be taking the Buccaneers here on the road. Not really sold on what's going on in uh, New Orleans this year yet, so give me Tom Brady and the Bucks. Give me New Orleans outright. I think Sean Payton and company go down there and steal a game. Jameis's first start at Tampa Bay since he was eating W's down there with Bruce Arians and company. Give me the Saints. Next game, Washington football team travels to play the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are three-point favorites at home. Oh, boy, give me... Got to think about this. Now give me Washington. Teddy Bridgewater stinks. It's Drew Lock season. Every time Sturz is on the show, he's, he's got to throw in a, a jab at Teddy Bridgewater. You mean, you mean Captain Checkdown? Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna I love take, Teddy. Two, I'm gonna two take love Teddy. Teddy, two gloves. I'm going to take Teddy touchdown. Give me the Broncos. Teddy, two gloves all the way. Go Broncos. Next game, we got the Dallas Cowboys traveling to play the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are three-point favorites at home. I'll start off real quick here. Skull, baby. Give me the Vikes. Henry, I'm sorry. I think the Dallas Cowboys are a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year. I like to sympathize with your hometown Minnesota Vikings, but give me the Cowboys in this game by a lot. Well, that's assuming, Dak, that's assuming Dak plays. I Dak's still, a game-time decision. I, oh, I think he'll play. If I he doesn't play, play, give me Minnesota. I love it. Yeah. I, I still love it. All right, next game. we got the New York Giants. Travis for the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are nine-half point favorites at home. Get right game for the Chiefs. Giants stink. Give me Kansas City. The Chiefs have not looked good. And I will take them to win this game, but I'm not sure that they're going to put up ten points. So give me the Giants to cover. I'm out on the Chiefs, making it back to the AFC title game pretty much completely, but that's a lot of points. I know, I know it's a lot of points, excuse me, but the Giants and Danny Dimes and Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge... Terrible. They're a terrible football team. Give me the Chiefs to cover. Our last game, we got the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to play the Detroit Lions. Eagles are three and a half point favorites on the road. You know what? Nathan pointed to me as the resident Detroit Lions fan on this show. I, I'm spe- oh, hold on. I got to get Trent's pick in first. One pride, go Lions. Of course, one pride. That's Trent's pick. And you know what my pick is today? 
One pride, go Lions. This is the first win of the Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes era. Jalen Hurts stinks. The Eagles stink. I love you, Darius Slay, but you're coming home and you're, you're getting an L to the Lions today. I think the Lions put together a, some kind of weird fourth quarter drive that ends up in a DeAndre Swift rushing touchdown, and they win in a squeaker. But nevertheless, Dan Campbell and company get win number one today on Halloween. Very yes. spirited analysis from you, Sloan, and I'm gonna have to agree with you. Yes. Every every sense of what you said, I think uh, I think Trent Bally is gonna be there for the first victory there for the Lions. One pride. I'm saying one pride on the show right now. Forward down the field, a Lions team that will not yield. Nathan, make it three for three. Detroit is 0 of seven. At 4:30 today, they will be one and seven. Jalen yes. Hurts is not good at football. I love it. That is that is an that's an unbelievable way to finish the show. We we had Michigan Michigan State. We had unbelievable conversation about Halloween costumes and the Sparty Awards. Henry and I made it through the show because our voices are gone. Associate producer Peyton made her on-air debut in the show. Picked some great songs. Great effort. Great effort. Great effort by her. Great effort by Henry. Great effort by all of us today. If you missed the show, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Impact89FM.org, or wherever you find your podcasts. Tell a friend about the show so we can keep getting checks cut to us because we like our jobs. Next week, Trent will be back. We're going to have Michigan State Purdue to break down. We're going to celebrate the Lions' first victory of the year over the Eagles. And much, much more. Thanksgiving Foods is going to be a Sparty Awards topic coming up soon as well. But from Luke Sloan, from Nathan Stearns, from Henry Menegos, from Peyton Emerson, associate producer, what a Sunday, what a show, what a life. If it's a victory Sunday, and we're happy. Nathan, any final word? Yeah, uh, Sam Darnold, uh, oh, your no. mental processing speed has a little bit better, buddy. When you have a wide-open tight end, Robbie Anderson's wide open, and you want to throw it off your back foot to the water boy every time, not a good look. Wow. I don't know I don't know a better way to end the show than that. Happy Sunday, East Lansing. Happy victory Sunday to all the Spartans out there. And we will see you next week on the Green and White Report. You have been listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org/sports.